G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my great pleasure to be able to look with you now at God's Word, the Bible. We're going to be looking together at Genesis chapters 18 and 19, still continuing in the story of Abraham. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you? I'm going to read large, large chunks of Genesis 18 to 19, and also it will help you to have the service program because there's an outline of the talk there. Let's pray, and we'll ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to gather as your people through this video conferencing platform of Zoom. Thank you for the technology that enables us to meet. Thank you for the leaders who are caring for us and organising our services. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Thank you for giving us your word. And thank you for the promises to Abraham that we're looking at and the way that they are fulfilled in Jesus. Please help us as we look at the story of Abraham to grow in our love for you and our trust in you and, and help us to grow in our love for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a while ago I was talking to a friend of mine. She's a committed Christian. Her husband is a committed Christian. Uh, they're a little bit older than me. And, and she was talking to me about her children. Her children were brought up in a Christian family, brought up in a church, but sadly, in their 20s, both of them fell away. If you ask them today, they would tell you that they are not Christians. I talked to my friend and I asked her, what do you think went wrong? And she said this. She said, they finished school and went to uni. They saw all the options that the world presents and they were lured in. Both of them, they met non-Christians that they liked uh, the non-Christians wanted to, to, to move in together with them. And, and so they were presented with a choice. Jesus or sex? And she said to me, both of them chose sex. I'm sure you agree with me on this. I want to be saved from God's anger on Judgment Day. I, I, I want to be God's person in God's place under his blessing forever. But that's not all I want. When that last day comes, I don't want to be standing there by myself. No, no, I want my family, my friends there with me. I want, to, I want the generations that follow me to be there with me. My children, but not just my children, my, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. But the fact is... This world around us, it's very seductive. It's very attractive. Like my friend's children, we can easily be lured away from Jesus. Immoral sex seems very attractive, as does success, having other people think well of you, power, influence, wealth as does just living a comfortable life. This, this stuff of the world, it seems to offer a life worth living, a life that is more interesting, more exciting, more, more blessed than the Christian life. Well, over these last few weeks, we've been following the story of Abraham. And one of the characters in the story is the man Lot. 
Uh, Lot is Abraham's nephew. We were introduced to him way back at the beginning of the story in chapter 11. And then when Abraham left his family and headed off to the promised land, he took Lot with him. And the picture that we've been getting is that Lot is blessed through Abraham. That's what God promised, isn't it? God promised that people would be blessed through Abraham. Well, that's what's happening to Lot. In fact, God blesses Lot so much that that, that he has so much stuff that there isn't room for him and Abraham to stay together in the same place. They become so wealthy that, that there's not room for them. And so Lot makes a choice that will totally change his life, totally change the whole direction of his life. He decides he he wants to keep all of his stuff. He he wants to hang on to this wealth, and so he separates from Abram. And he moves to the city of Sodom, a city where where people don't follow God's ways. Uh, Chapter 13 and verse 11, just jump back with me to chapter 13 and verse 11. Have a look. Here's where Lot separates from Abram. Chapter 13, verse 11. Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now, the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Lot leaves Abraham. He he moves eventually into the city of Sodom. And from there, things start to really go awry. First, as we saw in chapter 14, uh, Sodom is conquered by a guy called Kedoleoma, and uh, Lot is captured. Abraham has to come and rescue him. Uh, But Lot continues to live in Sodom. Uh, Last week, uh, as we looked at chapters 16 to 17, we saw God continuing to bless Abraham. Abraham has his issues. We saw that with the whole Ishmael incident. But God graciously continues his promise. And now in chapter 18, in chapter 18, God comes to earth and he personally renews his promise to Abraham. God comes in human form, accompanied by two angels. Chapter 18 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Chapter 18 and verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Abraham doesn't realize who they are, but he's a godly man, so he gives them a warm, hospitable welcome. And then God tells Abraham that he and Sarah will have a son. Jump down to verse 10. Verse 10. Then one of them, one of the three men said... I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah overhears the conversation. She knows that it's impossible for her and Abraham to have a son. She's well past menopause. So she laughs at the idea. And it is laughable. It's it's impossible. Except that we're dealing with God. And with God, nothing is impossible. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, verse 13, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. God is absolutely committed to his promise 
to Abraham. Abraham's descendants, they will be God's people in God's place under his blessing. But before he leaves, God decides that he wants to have a chat to Abraham about something. And it's got to do with his nephew, Lot. It's about the city where Lot is living, the city of Sodom. The people of Sodom, as we've already seen, are sinful. And God is considering destroying them. Verse 16. 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom. Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him for I have chosen him so that he'll direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. God is considering destroying Sodom. And now in this next scene, it's an amazing scene, Adam pleads for Sodom. And there's this city where his nephew is living. And he manages to bargain God down. It's like this sort of auction. He bargains God down to the point where if there are even 10 righteous people in the city, then God won't destroy it. Now come down with me to verse 32. Verse 32. Then Abraham said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, God answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. Where do you reckon Abraham stops at ten? I'm going to have a guess. I reckon it's because that's the number of people who are in Lot's family. That there's Lot and his wife, plus two unmarried daughters, that's four, plus, as we'll see, I think, a couple of married daughters and their husbands and children, and suddenly we're up to about ten. Abraham gets God to agree to it. If there are only ten righteous people in Sodom, he won't destroy the city. Chapter 19, chapter 19, the two angels head into Sodom and notice Lot is sitting in the gateway of the city. Can you see that in chapter 19, verse 1? Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Uh, the gateway of the city, that's where the elders sit. That's where the leaders of the city sit. So in other words, in terms of, Lot, in terms of Sodom, Lot has really made it. Lot has succeeded. He, he's not only wealthy, Lot has power he has respect he has influence he has really made a name for himself here in Sodom well the angels arrive and uh, like his uncle Abraham Lot in a godly way he gives them a warm welcome but things take a dark turn all the men of the city come to his house and they demand that Lot hand over the angels to them so, so they can gang rape them. Pick it up in chapter 19 and verse 4. 19 verse 4. Before they'd gone to bed, all the men 
from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot goes out of the house. He pleads with the men of Sodom. He even offers his two unmarried daughters to them. I know that sounds terrible, but probably that's, it's a way of shaming the men rather than being a serious offer. Anyway, it's all to no avail. The angels pull Lot back into the house and they tell him, you've got to get any members of your family that you can and, and you've got to escape from the city because God is going to destroy it. Verse 12, come to verse 12. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters or, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Get out. Get out of Sodom. Get your family out before they're destroyed. That's the message. But for Lot, it's not so easy. Lot has made a life in this city of Sodom. And by this stage, his family are very much a part of this city of Sodom. Sodom obviously had its attractions, and Lot's family have well and truly bought in. Lot starts off by trying to persuade his sons-in-law, the men of Sodom, who are married to his daughters. Now, I realize the NIV says they were pledged to be married. That's not what the text says. NIV says it because uh, they assume that Lot only has two daughters, and we've just heard that the two daughters are not married, and therefore they say uh, the sons-in-law can't have been married to the daughters yet. But as you can see from the footnote, what the text actually says is that these sons-in-law were married to his daughters. So... How does it work? The daughters in his house weren't married, but he has sons-in-law. Well, solution's not actually that difficult if you think about it. Lot had other daughters. Anyway, Lot can't convince his sons-in-law that they won't come, and so he has to leave his daughters with them in Sodom. Well, think about this. Assuming they have children, he has to leave his grandchildren in Sodom with these sons-in-law from Sodom. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were, reading the footnote, who were married to his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Just think about it for a minute. Can you imagine how Lot is feeling he has to leave behind his daughters and his grandchildren. It must have broken his heart. Understandably then, Lot doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to go anywhere. His life is tied up in Sodom. His family is tied up in Sodom. And so Lot hesitates. He doesn't want to go. But God is merciful and so the angels come and they physically drag Lot and his wife and daughters out of the city. Verse 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. I guess that's contrasted with the ones who aren't, the ones married to his sons-in-law. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated... 
The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. Lot doesn't think he can get away in time. He asks the angels to spare a little town called Zoar. Uh, Lot and his family make their way to Zoar. But Lot's wife, she can't bear to leave Sodom behind. Imagine how she feels. She had a nice life in Sodom. She had a nice house in Sodom, big enough for visitors. All her friends are in Sodom. In Sodom, her husband was a somebody. In Sodom, she had status. She had respect. Her daughters are in Sodom. Her grandchildren are in Sodom. All her possessions, everything she owns, it's all in Sodom. Her whole life is tied up in Sodom. Poor Lot's wife. She, she cannot drag herself away. And so she disobeys the angel's instructions. She stops heading to Zoar. She looks back to Sodom. And when God kills the people of Sodom, she is killed along with them. Verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And so God destroys the city of Sodom along with Lot's Lot's wife and sons-in-law and daughters and grandchildren and everything he ever owned. Only Lot and his two unmarried daughters are spared. But now notice the reason. Notice the reason why Lot is spared. This is very significant. Very significant. Let me see if I can show it to you. Do you remember the story of Noah? In some ways, it's a very similar story, isn't it? God judges the world but saves Noah and his family. Well, in chapter 8 and verse 1, it said there that God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah, and that's why he saved Noah from the flood. Here also, God remembers someone. That's why he saves Lot. But notice who it is. Verse 29. Verse 29. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Why is Lot rescued? Because God remembered Abraham. Friends, this is very significant. In fact, this, I think, reveals the whole point of the passage. It's through Abraham that there is blessing and salvation. Do you see the point? God's blessing comes through Abraham. Well, Lot is alive, but by this stage he's 
pretty much lost everything. Since he left Abraham for Sodom, he's lost nearly all of the blessing that God had given him. But there's still one final indignity for Lot. His daughters who have grown up in Sodom, they don't know about God or his ways, but they do know the customs of the world. They know, according to the customs of the world, that they should have children. And being good citizens of Sodom, they have a Sodom-like idea. His daughters, they get their father drunk, they have sex with him, they fall pregnant by him, and they have families who go on to be enemies of Israel, the infamous Moabites and Ammonites. Verse 30, verse 30. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old and there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. Come down to verse 36. Verse 36. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son and she named him Moab. He's the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. If you think about it, this story is also quite reminiscent of what happened with Noah. Do you remember Noah after the flood? He also got drunk. Uh, One of his sons also came and dishonoured him. You remember that? But um, this story is much worse, isn't it? I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty yucky. And you know what, friends? As far as Lot's concerned, that's the end of the story. That's it. That's the last we hear of him in this book of Genesis. Uh, From here on in the Old Testament, we only hear his name in association with the Moabites and the Ammonites as they try to curse and attack Israel. And today? Today, Lot and his family are without trace. I mean, have you ever met a Moabite? Have you ever met an Ammonite? Neither have I. There's no such thing. They don't exist. All right. Can you see what's here in these chapters? God is continuing his promise to Abraham. Abraham will become a great and powerful nation. Starts with starting with a son, with Sarah. He will become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. But for Lot, well, there's not much sign of blessing anymore, is there? Since he left Abraham for Sodom, it's all gone awry. Sodom is destroyed, along with Lot's wife and his sons-in-law and his daughters and his grandchildren and his house and his position and his possessions and his influence and his career and his success and his power and his comfort and everything else he ever worked for. All that's left is him in a cave living with two daughters who think it's a good idea to have sex with their dad. Doesn't get much lower. Okay. Well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves as Christians. Uh, What does this passage mean for us? 
And the New Testament mentions the New Testament mentions the city of Sodom quite a few times. Actually, uh, Jesus, for example, he talks about how the final judgment of God is going to be sudden, like the judgment on Sodom. Uh, the Apostle Peter, uh, Jesus' brother Jude, they say that God is going to judge the world but save His people, like He judged uh, Sodom but saved Lot. Uh, and then in one really scary comment. Jesus talks about the people who reject him, people who reject Jesus, and he says that it'll be worse for them on Judgment Day than it will be for the people of Sodom. You see, the thing the New Testament reminds us about the Sodom is this. The thing, that New, the, the thing the New Testament reminds us about Sodom is this. Sodom was destroyed. It might have promised all kinds of blessings and delight, but Sodom is destroyed. That's not where God's blessing is. And so the thing I think we need to learn from this story that we've seen here today in the book of Genesis is this. It's the way Lot loses God's blessing when he leaves Abraham for Sodom. Lot loses God's blessing when he leaves Abraham for Sodom. Now, as Christians, we know that God's blessing for this world is found in Jesus it is in Jesus that God's promises to Abraham come true. It's in Jesus that we will ultimately be God's people in God's place under his blessing forever. And, and so here, friends, I think is the point for us. It's a very simple one. Don't leave Jesus for this world. Don't leave Jesus for this world. If you leave Jesus, you will lose God's blessing. In fact, as Jesus says, it'll be worse for you on the day of judgment than, than for the people of Sodom. If you leave Jesus, you will lose God's blessing. If you leave Jesus for the pleasures of this world, you will lose the eternal blessing of God. You will be destroyed along with this world. So don't leave Jesus for this world. Now, it sounds obvious. Of course, we don't want to leave Jesus for the stuff of this world. Of course, we don't want to give up eternity for the, the transient stuff of now. But in real life, it's not quite so obvious, is it? In real life, it's, in real life, it's subtle. You see it here with Lot. I mean, Lot is not a bad guy. He's not a terrible person. He's, he's hospitable, godly in that sense. Abraham loves him. He, he resists the men of Sodom when they want to attack the angels. The Apostle Peter tells us that Lot was distressed by the sinful way the Sodomites lived. Lot is not a bad bloke. But in this story, what he does, he, he lets himself drift, whether actively or, or passively, he makes choices, choices about his wealth, choices about his career and success and influence, choices about his family, choices about his lifestyle. He makes choices that land him and his family in Sodom, choices that make it hard for him and his family to leave Sodom, choices that mean his family is, is sucked into Sodom, choices that mean his family is, is destroyed with Sodom. Friend, I've got a very uncomfortable question for you. You ready? Are you like Lot? Are they the sort of choices you're making? Are you making choices about your 
family that tie them to the world? Are you making choices about your career and success and wealth and comfort and influence that that tie you and your family to this world? You know, there's that amazing picture in Revelation chapter 18 where the world, there it's described as Babylon, not Sodom, where, where Babylon is destroyed and all these people sing, whoa, 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 as Babylon is destroyed. But then God's people sing, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What tune will you be singing when the world is destroyed? Are you making choices now about your how you spend your time and your energy and your money and your passion? Are you, sh- are you making choices that show that your heart is really in this world and not with Jesus? Will you be singing woe when Sodom is destroyed? Will you be, even worse, destroyed along with Sodom? Friend, if you are making choices like Lot, I need to warn you. You are in danger. And your family is in danger. Don't be deceived. This world, with all its pleasures, it is attractive. It is seductive. And unless you hold tight to Jesus, you will drift away. And the better your life is, the more successful your life is, the easier it is to drift. Unless you hold tight to Jesus, you could drift. Unless you hold tight to Jesus, your family drift away now of course of course we can't save our children and of course there are thoroughly committed Christians whose families whose children go astray in fact I reckon that's the case with my friend I was talking about before she reckons that she should have pushed harder to make sure her kids got involved in Christian groups on campus but hindsight's 2020 I reckon overall she did a good job there are going to be children of faithful Christians who give up on Jesus just as there'll be non-Christians whose children end up loving Jesus But you see the point, don't you? You see the point. We don't want it to be our half-hearted, lukewarm, semi-love for Jesus that leads our families astray. We don't want it to be our love for the seductive stuff of this world that sets a bad example. We don't want it to be our choices that we make that tie us and our families to Sodom. Friends, don't leave Jesus for the world. Set your heart on living for Jesus. Love Jesus more than the stuff of this world. Serve Jesus as number one priority. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. It is the best thing you can do for your family. Don't leave Jesus for the tempting stuff of this world Because God's blessing, it's only found in Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that your blessing is found in Jesus. We thank and praise you that in Jesus, sinful people like us can be your people, living in your place under your blessing forever. We thank you that in Jesus there is salvation and eternal delight. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge and admit that we're very attracted to the stuff of this world. 
Would you please help us never to be so caught up in it that we leave Jesus behind or that we drift away from Jesus. We pray for ourselves and we pray for our families, Heavenly Father, that they and we would, would cling tight to Jesus and, and love him above the stuff of this world and, and serve him as number one priority. And we pray that at the last day we might be found in him having that ultimate and eternal blessing of being with you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.